Welcome to this Fonts News and Investment Officer podcast about thematic investment opportunities. In this episode, according to McKinsey Research, we live in a disruptive time. Research indicates that it is the speed of economical, digital and technological changes that makes this time span stand out. My name is Marije Groen and my guest today is Gavin Marriott, Head of Product of the Schroeder's ISF Global Disruption Strategy. In his role, Gavin is the linking pin between investors and the investment team. Together we'll discuss what disruption means, where it happens, and how it affects industries, markets, societies, and companies. Welcome, Kevin. Great to have you. Thanks, Mariah. Nice to be here. So McKinsey concludes, Kevin, that this is a disruptive time. Would you say it is? And if so, why? Well, I think disruption has always been a, a feature that companies have had to battle with. And it has perhaps accelerated over recent years um, for a number of for a number of reasons, uh, and that uh, acceleration has really created a threat to established business models. It's changed competitive landscapes, market leadership, and also had an impact on stock market valuations. And that's really why it is such a, an interesting opportunity from an investment perspective. Hmm. What would you say are the most important drivers of disruption? Well, I think there are three things that are really adding momentum to this uh, disruptive pressure that we're seeing. First of all, it's the confluence of the speed of technological advancement in a number of areas. So in terms of connectivity, processing power, memory. And, and those advancements have really fueled growth in digital data, um, artificial intelligence and the IoT. The second thing is that the way we live our lives has changed at a rapid pace, which really mean that traditional business models no longer work, um, given uh, given the way we, we choose to live our lives. But thirdly, and probably most crucially, industries are being disrupted because they need to adapt in order to address some of the serious challenges that face the world today. They come in the form of climate change, pressure on the environment, and even COVID, which have represented a significant challenges to the way we live our lives. And the need for companies to respond to, the, to those pressures have really accelerated this disruptive pressure that we're now seeing. Mm, so much happening at the same time, right? Um, what yeah. would you say makes a technology or makes a product potentially disruptive? Well, I don't think it's the technology per se that makes uh, introduces uh, disruption. I, I think technology is an enabler and it allows um, things like product development, different service models, also contributes in terms of, uh, in terms of price, um, downward pressure on price, and can create new markets. So technology really is an enabler rather than, um, rather than the thing that is driving the disruption. Clear, clear. Let's talk a bit more, Kevin, about how markets and societies are then affected by all of this. Um, McKinsey data indicates that artificial intelligence has the potential to affect almost any industry. Um, and the biggest effect actually is on the travel industry. How do you see AI influence the way that we currently travel? 
Yeah, I'm not sure I would necessarily agree that AI has had the biggest effect on the on the travel industry in comparison to many other industries that you could cite. So I'd, right. I'd, I'd maybe challenge uh, McKinsey's uh, conclusions Research. in that respect. <laughs> um, particularly if you think about the, the impact of AI on financial services, advertising and healthcare, where it has really had a very material impact. But in terms of the travel industry, it has had it has had a significant impact too. And that can be seen in most aspects of of travel, from the way we plan and build our, our travel schedules, the way we think about routing, uh, accommodation options, and even the way we check in when we arrive at destinations. There are a number of ways of playing that. Clearly, the, uh, the specialist software providers, Amadeus, would be a good example of providing data analytics and software to the travel industry. Booking, booking Holdings, which is a travel aggregator, and even companies like Wyndham Hotels, the hotel chain in the US, which has used technology to aid contactless check-in and check-out. It's Lightning Book that allows you to book accommodation just by, by three clicks. So a number of different ways that, that technology has actually uh, had an impact on, on travel. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I still remember the way we used to book in the past and now you can sort of pick the cheapest flight or pick the one that is most convenient without any over uh, where you have to change cities or anything. Indeed, it's it's um, it's very useful for the consumer, and right? It, and, it, and it just works, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> now, former Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos said in an interview with CNBC that it is customer centrism and not technology that made them disruptive. How would you attribute uh, technology's role in e-commerce? Well, I think, first of all, we've got to recognize that uh, Amazon is the iconic disruptor. Um, it, it, it has uh, and continues to disrupt retail and, and extends its disruptive um, powers in, into other areas of the economy. And, and that is partly due to a technological advantage. Technology has definitely made it possible. Um, but it's the fact that Amazon as a business has the customer at the heart of, of the services it, it provides. Um, so everything from improved um, supply chain management, uh, fulfillment, um, have contributed to Amazon's success and the success of other e-commerce platforms that are um, really only at the start of, of, of this journey. And if you look globally, um, using Amazon's template, you can see uh, examples of uh, businesses that are using that same operating model and taking significant share of, of the, the retail um, business. Um, so C Limited in, in Asia, taking market share in, in places like Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, Taiwan, um, would be a good example of, of a company that is somewhat behind the curve. But again, they, they, are, they are using the same format to, uh, to take market share and, and develop their business. I think, though, for Amazon, um, what Amazon uh, has done and, and continues to do very well is really through, um, through their platform, um, analyze comp uh, customers' behaviors so that they have probably the best insight 
and uh, the best picture of customer habits from the initial search activity, browsing habits, and then purchase decisions. And from that data, you know, they can clearly um, leverage that and monetize that in terms of targeted ads, which is really changing the um, we're changing the business dynamics of, of Amazon and, and finding really providing another strand which will support growth over the next five years. An interesting stock to have. If you have it, hold on to it, I'd say. De- definitely. <laughs> Both uh, the International Monetary Fund as well as McKinsey see uh, digital technology as an economic dri- divider and therefore also as a potential threat to economic growth. Would you agree with that, Kevin? It's not an easy um, answer, and the, any answer has to be um, nuanced. Uh, in aggregate, uh, technological innovation um, has and will continue to make a significant contribution to economic growth and prosperity, primarily through its positive contribution on productivity. Um, but but clearly, um, the digital divide is a very um, important thing that is um, that that is potentially um, limiting prosperity in in certain parts of society. Whether that's by um, um, socio-economic divide, whether it's by geographical divide, or uh, you know, it could simply be a function of of age. Uh, and familiarity with with technology. Um, So the ability to access computers and the internet has become a crucial issue for society. Um, And whilst there are significant strides being made and the digital divide is narrowing, estimates suggest something in the region of 5% per annum, with expectations that 100% of the world's population will have access to the internet by... 2028, there still remain around 3 billion people globally who have no internet access. Now, now governments and corporations really recognise this as as a significant issue and are formulating policies to address infrastructure, Um, and uh, encourage the adoption of internet. And I think all of those things need to be um, commended. And uh, as I say, we are seeing positive steps in that way. Um, But really to decrease the digital divide gap, we must see continued um, education around the use of of, um, the internet, make it more inclusive, address poor infrastructure, and also more affordable for consumers who are perhaps less fortunate than ourselves. Right. So access to internet is going to be key in changing that divide rather into something that is inclusive for everyone, right? Exactly. Yeah. And affordability. Mm. And and we've seen that uh, we've seen that throughout the COVID crisis in terms of education, uh, you know, the the fact that there has been a real limiting factor on pupils who've had no internet access, haven't been able to continue their their studies, whereas more affluent people or people with better access have been able to do that. Yeah. And even in the more developed countries where the large part of the population has access to to internet and still the poor families, the children of those families um, were behind the others, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit more about your strategy and about composing um, a winning team. 
how do you identify big trends and winning companies for the Schroeder ISF global disruption strategy? Well, first of all, it's having the mindset and I think recognizing the um, power of disruption on business models, uh, on uh, competitive positioning and, and ultimately prop, um, profitability. So it, it's having that mindset and really recognizing the power. And we, we spoke earlier about uh, Amazon, and, and even though Amazon is is an incredibly um, well covered stock by sell side analysts, uh, there are times where market participants simply don't recognise the power of, of of some of these competitive advantages, which caused, in for example, in twenty fifteen, the share price to double in that calendar year. So having the mindset. Uh, secondly, we use technology within our business to help us navigate what is quite a complex opportunity set and really identify these opportunities, uh, both in terms of using proprietary quant screens to look for changes in uh, the fundamentals of a business in terms of operating uh, and financial performance of a business, and, and screening companies to, to, to identify areas of change, which might be the result of technological innovation or disruption. Uh, but we also use data science to help us, uh, again, uh, identify where, for example, companies are highlighting disruption as an opportunity or threat within their, um, within their disclosures or, or market commentary. So... Um, data science is an increasingly important part of the way Schroders analyzes uh, companies and identifies opportunities. Also, being part of a global firm helps us. We have a, a fully integrated global equity research platform with over 130 equity and credit analysts. And again, those analysts are um, are focusing on um, some of these big structural themes as a as a driver of returns. Um, but most importantly, I think it's having a team of senior investors that are focused on innovation and disruption and, and ensuring that they find the most interesting opportunities and, and invest uh, in those within the portfolio. So, Kevin, in theory, disruption often comes from the smaller, sometimes even unlisted companies that target new markets or maybe low end segments. How do you apply this theory in your asset allocation? Well, we're, we're um, as global investors, uh, we are not constrained by geography or market cap size. So we're looking right down the market cap spectrum. Uh, for this strategy, though, we're conscious that it, it needs to be um, provide daily liquidity, and therefore we do we we do apply uh, liquidity screens in terms of our stock selection. But nevertheless, that does allow us to get exposure to some very interesting. Um, small, uh, smaller and mid-cap uh, stocks within the portfolio. Um, and we would see that as being an important part of the, uh, the, the strategy that we're delivering. Um, interestingly, though, we are, we, again, recognising the importance of, of unquoted companies in terms of their uh, innovation and technology. We are in the process of, of um, developing a public-private strategy that will... Um, give 
both exposure to private markets and also the public markets. Final thing, though, I'd just say in terms of in terms of IPOs, what we have seen of late, and I'm, sh- I'm sure you've seen this, is that many of these IPOs, particularly with interesting technologies, are trading, are coming to the market with um, very significant um, valuation premiums attached to those listings. And therefore, I think with any um, uh, with any interesting opportunity, you have to be very cognizant of valuation and, and ensure that you're, you're really not overpaying to get exposure to some of these very interesting technologies. Right, right. Um, the number one sector allocation in your portfolio remains uh, the, te- the tech sector. We spoke about it a lot today. And among your top five positions are the well-known big techs um, that are also some of the biggest and the fastest uh, growing companies in the world. What would you say then, Kevin, sets you apart from the competition? Well, I think it. although those names um, may well be very familiar to, to many of the listeners, uh, I think the importance to us is that um, those names retain a very exciting growth uh, outlook and trajectory underpinned by um, uh, competitive advantage and really finding some of these additional levers that can support growth over the next five and 10 years. So yes, they're big today, but it doesn't mean to say that they can't grow bigger or, or diversify. Um, so I, I, think that, I think that is important uh, to recognise. Also within a number of these businesses, uh, if you took Alphabet, for example, the parent of, of Google, uh, you would see within their other business a number of you know, very small, as yet un- under-monetised or unmonetized businesses, again, which have some really interesting technologies which in and of themselves can um, bring a significant disruption, disruption to other areas of the market. Mm. I'd like to thank you, Kevin, for this fun and interesting conversation. No, thank you, Mara. I've enjoyed it and uh, I hope uh, there's been some interesting insight there. I would like to thank my guest, Gavin Marriott, for his time and his insights. This podcast is brought to you by Schroeders. It was recorded as part of a series dedicated to thematic investments. More about Schroeders investment solutions you'll be able to find at schroeders.com. For more articles and podcasts on thematic investing, please visit the special sections dedicated to thematic investing on the websites of Fonds News and Investment Officer. Check out fondsnews.nl if you are based in the Netherlands or if you're based in Belgium, please visit investmentofficer.be. Important information. This information is a marketing communication. No responsibility can be accepted for errors of fact or opinion. Past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. The value of investments and the income from them may go down, as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Exchange rate changes may cause the value of investments to fall as well as rise. Issued by Schroeder Investment Management Europe SA, 5, Rue Hohenhoff, L 1736 Senegerberg, Luxembourg. Registration number B37.799.